0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at GraceCitySD.com. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you—sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away—anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's pray. Lord, we're here to feast at your table, to imbibe your word, your spirit. We pray that you would anoint Trevor, as he breaks this word for us, give us ears to hear, give us hearts that are illumined by your word. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Thank you, Nancy. Good morning, Grace City. This is your first time here, I wanna say welcome. We are happy that you're here with us. My name is Trevor, and I serve in our pastoral care team. I'm filling in for Randall today. We're in the second week of our series, New. We're going through the book of Colossians, talking about the new life that you have in Jesus. Last week, Randall spoke about our new identity because of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you, and that you may have new life. This week, we'll be walking through the concept of new habits. It can be easy to unintentionally focus so much on the why of the gospel that we never think of the what and the how as it relates to the gospel-centered life. The why of the gospel shapes our, our identity and the source where we find meaning and understand how we are supposed to live and who God is making us day by day. Sometimes we never move the conversation from identity to practice. The focus of looking at our habits has been applied through the number of books and sciences and even shapes the goals that we create for ourselves. We know that these goals are attained and grasped only while consistently and successfully having habits in place where those goals are. Habits always have a relationship to the truths that we cling to. This is true for everything that we do, for every habit that we have. Brushing your teeth, fitness, studying, praying, everything you do expresses what you think about the world. This truth illustrates that what we feel is important enough to do is connected to what we think. Habits will demonstrate either truths about the gospel or they will express truths about sins that are in our lives, bad habits in our lives. Habits also express how we cope with things when we're faced with difficult circumstances. When you're in the dark night of the storm, when you don't know what to do, your habitual decisions will reflect what's already in your heart. Augustine wrote on the matter of the issue, of bad or sinful habits when he wrote this. If habit is not resisted, it soon becomes necessity. Sinful habits in our lives if not reformed or disposed of will eventually become our chief means of dealing with our problems or even be the very source of which we feel validation. A sinful habit can become a crutch to offset matters of life that we do not want. This is truly the function of vices in our life. This isn't anything that we don't already know today. The truth is that only God can bring about true and perfect healing from the sinful habits in our lives. We simply are not enough. We are not strong enough to fix the problems that we face in life. You can look around you, even people of enormous influence, fame, wealth, even power, that is not enough to fix the problems which you're facing today. We are not enough, but Jesus is enough. You have habits connected to what brings you joy and to what brings you purpose. If this joy and purpose is in the gospel, then you will be involved in matters of life directly related to the teachings of Jesus. This will be be true in both habits, things that you do, and relationships, those that you care about. Unfortunately, when the gospel is not the defining meaning, then your worldview will be related to your sinful habits. Habits tell you which master you truly listen to and which approval is most important to you in life, the approval of man or the approval of God. This begs the question after understanding what we know that what we do correlates to who we are. What then are clear evidences in our world where unhealthy, bad, or sinful habits significantly affect people that are going through extreme times of difficulty? Why do people choose to do what they know is only going to cause them pain? What is an overwhelming habit that we as a, a nation are experiencing right now? Where is the gospel fracture that develops because of this specific problem? How did it ever get so bad? A large number of community leaders and public servants have communicated that one of the most pressing and destructive vices in our society is the present opioid epidemic. Here are a few alarming numbers associated with the nationwide epidemic which was provided by the Center for Disease Control. Ninety-one people die per day due to an opioid overdose. One thousand people are seen every day in the emergency room related to the use of opioids not, as, not used as directed by a doctor. Since 1999, and this is very overwhelming, 183,000 people have died from an overdose involving prescription opioids. And since 1999, half a million people have died because of drug overdoses. Half a million people. The purpose of these numbers is not to pass judgment, nor to be pessimistic of those who have turned to these habits, but to simply paint a picture of how many lives have been affected by this heartbreaking issue. And it's happening in our, our country right now. These, these numbers are national numbers. These aren't global numbers. And this paints the picture of how many people have a sinful habit that produces brokenness and pain and death. It's important to bear in mind that each number has meaning, that has a life connected to that number, that had goals, dreams, memories, (laughs) loved ones, and all are loved by the Father. It is a tragic reality when a person finds that the only way that they are able to cope with this life is to feel numb and to have no feeling whatsoever for a person to wish to be a sociopath instead of to have to feel with the pain that they deal with emotionally and physically too. This kind of life is not the life that God has designed for you. Your family members, your friends, those that you love and care about When I first began working after I graduated college, uh, I was given a job working in the emergency room uh, at a hospital in a community uh, that was absolutely crippled by this epidemic. One of the lessons that I learned while working at the hospital was how much people are in desperate need of the gospel in this epidemic and where they need hope because of the lifestyle and this specific sinful habit. In many cases where heroin was involved, a person would be brought into the ER by squad and a reversal agent, the drug is called Narcan, would be given to that patient and it would reverse the high that they were experiencing. Patients would li- would literally be in a coma and dying and, after the Narcan was given, they would be very angry and mad because you took their high away. In a number of cases before that Narcan was given, that person was dead by all accounts. Had the intervention of the Narcan not been given, that patient would be dead right there. This is a really difficult scenario to experience and witness and see every single day you go to work or every week. The behavior that follows these cases can be as alarming as the overdose itself. And what feels like more cases than not, the patient would leave the room within five minutes of arriving from where, when Narcan was given, when they were dead, that person was literally dead one minute and alive the next moment. And what was the response to this miraculous intervention? On many occasions, in the very same day, that same person would be back in the ER because of another heroin overdose, dead before Narcane was given, and once they were saved, they chose to embrace the very thing that is killing them every chance they have, and they indulge in it every chance they have. For many caught in this crisis, their worldview captures that the world is hopeless, lonely, and painful. The habit of heroin, narcotic abuse, correlates to to where they find their identity. The gospel is there for them, but if no one shows or communicates the gospel to them or goes out of their way to show them who God has always wanted them to be, then how will they ever know? It's very easy to look at something so serious and intense and never consider that spiritually and behaviorally we adopt the same kind of behavior as the heroin addict we deny and reject the gospel even though grace has already saved us and it's brought new life it may not be narcotic abuse the whole device group of sin but there is or has been something that did in your life It may not be substance abuse that we battle, but it may be pride. It may be that we will do whatever is necessary so that we are better off. Or even worse, we may just feel validation in our authority and then we'll choose to use people because of that. The idol in our life that we are obsessed with could be the American dream that we simply can never be happy because we will always want more. We aren't happy where we are today and we think the promotion next week will bring the change that we have spent years and years and years trying to attain. The truth is that your boss probably has the same philosophy, that he or she may be so fixated on excess that they think more stuff is the solution to their problems. Health in the extremist sense can also be an unhealthy crutch, which is really ironic. If having the picture perfect image is everything that matters to you, then your purpose will have as much depth as that picture. It will be paper thin. Don't lie to yourself that there are practices or thoughts that we need to be delivered from where we don't need God's help. What you are struggling with does not have to be as severe as another person's experience to still prove fatal. It's a spiritual cancer to build your life as the defining standard for everyone else around you. When it comes to complaints at work, relationships with friends, or even who we are towards our very own family, we can live life as though we are the standard that everyone else must live by and must measure their life by. We never want to bring it full circle and consider that maybe the reason why everything we see is falling apart is because of us. And I need God in my life to find that real change. I need to rest in the gospel for that healing. I remember speaking with a very close family member of mine that was involved in substance abuse and whose life fell apart at the seams when what used to bring him meaning no longer could, when a great, well-paying job was no longer there for him. In order to cope with this pain, eventual depression, and the pains of his past, which he couldn't escape, substance was the only place to turn. And even when for a very short window recovery was attempted, after being in a group session with people going through similar circumstances of substance abuse, he believed because he wasn't to the same extent or as bad as them that he didn't need help. And that recovery from his vices wasn't a necessity because he wasn't involved in them the same way that the others were because he wasn't court ordered because uh, he didn't have a record because he hadn't yet been forced to be in recovery but substance abuse in his life was still fatal later down the road. Habits express what we believe is important by practice. Every habit that you have has a story to tell. Habits demonstrate where we find definitive meaning. Because of Jesus, throw away your current sinful habits. Colossians 3, five through six says this. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath, or in some translation, the disaster of God is coming. From the text in Colossians, we see that Paul is giving instructions to the church of Colossae to put to death and an end to the earthly and sinful nature that is within man, within all man. The behaviors are choices that are outside of a gospel-centered life. The habits listed are those that are opposed to the very nature of God and God's design for your life. Part of realizing the gospel-centered life is letting God redeem and save you from your brokenness. We have habits that point to our sin, past or present. It is important to keep in mind that even if we feel that we don't find that our shortcomings, our bad habits, are to the severity that Paul lists, that we still need to seek Jesus to save us from the fleshly and sinful practices in our lives. To embrace the gospel life, you must put to death all that distracts you and distances you from experiencing the life that Jesus has sacrificed for you. You do not have to be held in bondage to the the values and desires of this world. You can have freedom The freedom that the gospel has to offer you it is much like having an infection if not cut off will spread that infection and death to the rest of the body will it be unpleasant and painful to have the infection removed of course it will but it's better to have a little pain than to have loss of life from an unneeded infection all of these habits that paul lists are sexual sins or sins related to our pride and egotism. Sexual sin, it's straightforward. Anything that is not God's desi- in God's design is sinful and missing the mark. Anything that is, yeah, anything that's not within that design of which God has created sex is missing the mark. Sex misunderstood causes more destruction than unity in our world. Strive for a lifestyle that authentically places the gospel at the center of your life. Kierkegaard, a theologian, wrote a whole book centered on purity. And that purity being more than abstaining from sexual vices. Most of the time when we read about it, that's what it always comes to. Kierkegaard wrote that purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity expresses who we truly are in our innermost self. Habits are an element to that very identification. Purity begs the question of what is worth living for. What do I choose to do based on what I'm after in my life? Is it me or is it Jesus? Our desires will paint the picture of who God is in our life. Our habits are merely the bricks, the doors, the windows, to the foundation, to everything we build our life on. We live in a time that wrestles with always wanting more. Paul speaks to this in the list of habits. Covetousness in this epistle from the original language expresses the sin of always wanting more. This habit demonstrates that happiness or joy can only be attained by what we have to offer. That only more things can bring us purpose. The more things you have and are left without joy will take you further and further down the road to which the world's values will fail you every single time. If you reach a point of having everything the world has to offer, then why would you possibly be without joy? You have reached what the American dream is all about. The reality is the American dream is not what it's about. The American dream is about selfishness. It's about self-interest. The American dream will fail you every time. Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never abandon you. Jesus already did it all. He already overcame the world. Habits reflecting the heart of the gospel will free you from the lies you hold to. And from that behavior, following the gospel, having new life in Jesus because of the gospel, you will find real purpose. Because of Jesus, bury your old self. Colossians 3, eight through nine says this, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. Let God bury your old self. The life and habits that are sinful and self-pleasing that truly are not beneficial for anyone, not even you. You were meant for a far greater purpose. Jesus died so that you would have the freedom from these sinful habits. The language used here is that of taking off clothes or garments, clothes that are dirty, that are worn out, that are tattered, that are not fit for a child of God. All of these things that Paul lists are responses and impulses. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. These are secondary responses. You aren't initially angry and et cetera with the others. These are secondary emotive responses or actions. These responses reflect what is already in the heart. And these responses are habits. There is choice involved here. If sin is your response to sin, then where is the gospel in your life? If you seek retribution above all else, to be wrathful, to get even, to bring the world down on someone, then where is the gospel in your heart? When someone has done you wrong or have not been the person that you wanted them to be for your sake, did you slander them? Did you ridicule them? Did you go out of your way to belittle them? Those that slander, blasphemy, and spit at the very face of God by insulting his creation. Does obscene talk come from your mouth? Do you have abusive, deceitful language? Paul is concerned with the integrity of the heart and our speech. Speech is a habit as much as any other habit. Speech shows us what we retain, what we think is worth communicating, what we say and why we say it speaks much about who we are. Job speaks truth on the subject of habits. One who endured much loss experienced suffering at the same time still abiding in the Lord in the midst of tragedy in his life. Job 31 says this, if I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance and let God be my integrity. Job illustrates a vital lesson pertaining to the new habits of the spiritual life abiding in the gospel. That lesson being to let God be the standard that we use to measure the habits and deeds of our lives. In prayer, always seek the Lord and the practical matters of your life and how to best live the gospel life. Look to Jesus for the standard of how to live and what to do. Because of Jesus, put on the new self and the new habits. Once you let God forgive the sins in your lives and throw away the sinful nature and identity, you will experience the new life that Jesus has for you. The new life is not because of anything we deserve or anything that our works and our efforts warrant. Instead, it is because It's because of the grace that Jesus has given us what we have, the opportunity for new life and life to the fullest. To experience this life, there is going to be pruning of the old self. Is that gonna be easy? No, of course not. Is it gonna be worth it? Definitely. Dispose of the sinful habits and practice the right, holy and perfect habits. Thomas Akempis wrote this pertaining to habits. Habit is overcome by habit. It's a good point, there's truth in it for certain, but it's worth mentioning it, it's worth saying that you will not be able to overcome the sinful nature alone. You will not be able to maintain a life away from the sinful habits alone. You need God to deliver you from your habits you also need God in your life to show you what those holy habits are. The right and holy living is only possible when every one of our behaviors is connected to the gospel and connected with who God has told us he is through scripture. Colossians 3.10 says this, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Paul does address the solution to the problem of sinful habits. Just as we mentioned with the old self, Paul is using a word picture here. Putting on a new and clean garment, just as the previous verse that Paul spoke about removing the old and dirty and filthy garment. After the filthy garment is disposed, can you put on the new and clean garment? The new habits and the new self is modeled after the example of the Creator. The new self is directly connected to the knowledge of the image of the Creator. The new self is being renewed and the new life you are embracing what God wanted for you all along. God did not want for you to be overcome by sinful habits. The habits of addiction, sexual immorality, abusive nature, pride. Because of Jesus, the new life is possible and the new life will heal you day by day from the hurts of the past and the present sins. When you identify, when your identity is in what Jesus has done for you and not what you have done for yourself, then you will let Jesus restore and reform your life. This isn't a one-time decision or a one-time moment. This is an everyday renewing. Look to the Lord to provide this provision just as the Israelites look to the Lord to provide manna. The new habits are the gospel habits. These are behaviors that God is working in you and through you. Our identity is not in what we do, but who we are. The gospel of grace has saved you, and that is your identity but your, your response to the gospel-centered life is a critical point to consider. Your spiritual journey in life before Christ and after Christ should be two different things. Always be mindful and always let Jesus transform your life. New habits are the transformation that God is producing through the gospel of Christ. Romans 12.2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is an absolutely vital scripture passage for our response to the gospel, or our response to our response to the gospel and more specifically to this response, to no longer have purpose and habits connected to this world. Do not let the world be what determines your meaning. Do not be as the world tells you to be. Do not behave or react in the world the way the way the world tells you to behave and to react. But instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind and through testing you will discern the will of God. Through study of scripture and prayer, you will be able to understand where God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. The values of the new habits are simple. Whatever is good, acceptable, perfect. Without God, these things do not exist. The new habits will always be rooted in these three. The new habits are only possible because of of what God teaches us is the right path in life. When the gospel is what we know is essential to our lives, it's then that we will demonstrate both the heart and the practices of the gospels in everything that we do, both small things and big things. That then raises the very important question, how do I realize the new habits in my life? the most important piece to recognize is that this isn't something that you can do. If doing so is derived and how you are fixing the problem, and that is from your own self-reliance, then you've already failed. If you let God direct them, direct your life, direct your habits, it is possible. There is a reason why the world can never heal itself of the same problems that it's had generation after generation, century after century. We cannot do this by ourselves. You were never meant to do it alone. You were never meant to do it by yourself. You were never meant to place as much burden and hardship on yourself as you do right now. First off, you need to let God do things in your life. You need to give God that control. It's submission. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. Here are a few takeaways about how, because of Jesus, we can have new habits. Here's the first takeaway. Walk daily in the gospel. Embracing the new habits in our lives will start with the posture of letting God direct our paths working through our lives, it is imperative to walk in the gospel every single day, taking every moment as an opportunity to share or to grow in the gospel. This is the new heart of the new life, and this is the heart of the new habits. As with building habits that will last, it is important that our walk of life And our source of spirituality is from the same place, the gospel. Walking daily in the gospel means instead of relying on self and reacting to situations, you need to rely and depend on the Lord to carry you and to show you the convictions of wrongs and sins that are produced in your life and unfortunately the lives of others. Have freedom in the gospel to know that it is not because of you that there is hope. Have that same hope made visible. Everything that you do, every habit that you have should should be an opportunity to show the love of Christ, not the pride of man. The strength of a man's virtue should not be measured by his special exertions, but by his habitual acts. Walking daily in the gospel is a marathon. It's a journey. There will be days it will be trying, it's gonna be a great endeavor, but life is not about one or two special moments or a special event. We are known and understood by what we have done consistently and intentionally. Those around you will assume parts of your life based on what they experience when they're with you. They will assume the why of your life based on the what. Preach, here's a second takeaway, preach the gospel with your hands. I would urge you not to find stress or anxiety in the worry of the habits and what we do. The gospel frees people. It sets captives free. See every moment as the chance to share the hope that you have in Christ. Pray to the Lord to show you where you can preach with your hands. Look to God to instruct and to teach you where there are needs, where people are hurting. God has created you in such a way that you will have joy over the thing that God delights in. You will want to turn your face away from the things that God despises. You will be disgusted by the things that disgust God. Know that you are a living document that God is writing every day. Every decision, every act of generosity and service is part of that living document that the Lord is writing. To preach the gospel will call for boldness, for strength, for endurance, for reassurance. That and what you are doing is the very will of God. The new habits can only happen if you believe the design for God is worth living for. God will show you what to do, you only need to ask. Here's the third takeaway repetition of new habits. Repetition and reinforcement is what changes a behavior to habit. In fact, when you do something enough times, you don't even think about it. You just do it. Habit formation, in a nutshell, explains explains the process of making a habit into an automated response. It takes time and effort. A lot of people, 21, 29 days, depends who you go to, still always be mindful that it is only through God that old habits can be disposed of and that the new habits can become both automatic and expressive of who you truly are. Instead of responding to something with anger, wrath, rage, pride, hate, instead let there be love, kindness, mercy, and all of the characteristics of Jesus. It is only Jesus working in your life that new life will be possible Repetition is so very important because it not only shows that the gospel is worth effort, it shows that it's worth perseverance. And here's the final takeaway. Because of the gospel, you are made new. As Randall spoke last week, you have a new identity because of Jesus, because of the gospel and the new life Jesus has for you. And the habits that will follow because of the transformative nature of Of the gospel, you are made new and being renewed every day. You don't have to be the person that you were in the past anymore. Because of the gospel, you are saved by grace. You are saved from the things this world took away from from your purpose, what this world took away from you. The chains and shackles and restraints are broken. You do not have to stay in the jail cell any longer. You can walk and be free and have a new life with new habits that connect to your hope and to your freedom in the gospel. Where you would have been wrathful in the past, now show grace. Think often and in depth about what the gospel means for the rest of your life. Maybe this is something you never thought about before. What would it look like if the gospel was as powerful today in your life as the first day you accepted Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that that we have hope and we have assurance in your gospel that you care about us, that you love us. Uh, Lord, I pray that... Uh, with the new habits of our life. I pray that everyone in whatever they're going through and wh- whatever hardships and difficulties are before them, Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would guide them, that you would instruct them, that you would teach them what to do, Lord, what those new habits are, where is grace, where is your peace, where is your love? Lord, I, I pray that uh, those who are here today uh, experience your love, that they know that you love them, that you have sacrificed much for them, Lord, I pray that, uh, that they look to the what for that question, Lord. Um, and we thank you, Lord. We love you, and we know, we know that you'll carry us. We know that you love us. and in your Son's name, Jesus, we pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.